Amen. Well, good morning. I want to say a particular good morning and welcome to those of you who are new here. My name is Alex, one of the pastors here, and really glad if you're joining us here in person or online for the very first time, especially if this is like your first time ever or a long time in a church setting. Thanks for making your way here on a Sunday morning. We are delighted, delighted, delighted to have you. What we're all about is really simple. Connect people to God, to each other, so together we can engage our world for good. We hope you experience all those things here in person or online. This is week four of a series called Soar. We just sang the song Soar for a reason. The, the idea behind Soar is this, that uh, scriptures teach that you were made in God's image to soar. That is that you were made to be filled with God, God's character, God's grace, God's mercy, God's truth, his justice, his righteousness, and that in that filling, you might soar, not like float over life, but that even in the midst of any challenge, you might represent something of God and be fixed on God. I found this cool video this week of a solar panel that opens up and actually pivots as the sun moves. That is, it remains fixed on the source of energy, source of light, life, to follow the sun throughout the day and receive that. So too can your spirit and your soul remain oriented around God, fixed around God, any situation, any circumstances. Now, the, so the solar panel follows the sun as the sun moves across the sky, but here's the question. Who's actually moving? What's actually moving? It's not the sun. We're moving, right? The earth is moving. Our circumstances change all the time. Your circumstances today is like a kaleidoscope of challenges, opportunities, uh, relationships, all kinds of complexity, and every day it changes a little bit. In the midst of all those changes, there's an invitation, be filled with God. God's grace, God's power, God's truth. Walk with the Lord in that and let him give you the strength to soar. Now, of course, there's all kinds of challenges, right, that come alongside. All kinds of things that kind of war against us soaring, uh, circumstances. There's the stuff inside our own hearts, our own spirits. So we're looking at stories in the scripture as, of people who soar in the midst of all kinds of challenges, all kinds of circumstances. And it turns out soaring is not contingent on circumstances. It's actually contingent on remaining fixed on the God who is God over the circumstances, no matter what the paths are. Now, the challenge with saying that we were made to soar is it sure doesn't look like it. Do any kind of look over history, uh, look around the world around you right now. It doesn't look like we're soaring very much, does it? Anyone think soaring is like the primary marker of human experience right now? It's just not, right? There's so many challenges. Uh, most of us just kind of muddle along through the different challenges. There's wars. There's ways that we kind of manipulate, lie. There's like uh, home list, HOA listservs are like representative of people not soaring, right? As they get uh, bogged down in the quagmire of sniping at each other, right? There's this thing that happens to us where we get bogged down, muddling through life. Some people soar, like some, almost all of us have moments of soaring, right? And then some people seem to soar for a lifetime. I mean, Jesus is the most followed teacher person in human history because his life just soars above every other life. Most of us spend most of our time kind of getting through as best as we possibly can. Most of us might describe ourselves or the world primarily as soaring. So if we were made to soar, if that's what scripture says, God's got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do to rehab the world into soaring. How do we relearn soaring in a world full of all kinds of challenges when no one around us seems to be doing this very much? So God's gonna have to do some rehab work, some physical therapy on the, on the soaring to help us. So let me ask you, if you were God, and you were going to reteach humans how to soar, how would you do it? You want to reteach the whole planet how to soar the way you just, I designed you for this thing you were made to soar. How would you teach humans to soar? Well, here's what God does. We get, we get his answer about 12 pages in the Bible. 
Stage one, two, God creates everything. It's good, it's good, it's good. Humans introduce sin into the world, which grounds us. We were made to soar, but sin grounds us, keeps us from soaring. And on that page 12, God appears to a guy named Abram. And he says, Abram, look, here's what I want to do. I want the whole nations to soar. I want all peoples to soar. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to choose your family. You are going to be the blessing to all the nations. Through you, all nations are going to relearn to soar. Abram, through your family, all these people. So God's going to pour himself into one family group that they might soar to teach the rest of the world to soar as well. So God's plan to, restore, to restore humanity from grounded to soaring is to pour himself into a people and say, here's what soaring looks like, and for everyone to learn how to soar from them. They would relearn soaring from Abram's family. But then a strange thing happens, and we talked about this last week. Uh, Abram's family, before they become a nation even, they get carried out, they're out in Egypt, and they end up enslaved in Egypt for 400 plus years. Crowd to God. God rescues them from slavery. Moses leads them through the promised land. But now you've got people who've been grounded in slavery for over 400 years. There's no scripture written down yet. There's no temples. There's no place for them to pray. Like all they have are these stories of the God that just delivered them, but they don't really know this God. There haven't been any practices, no religious practices built up around this God. They know the stories vaguely. That's about it. That's about all they know. Meanwhile, they've been surrounded for 400 years by Egypt's gods which demanded sacrifice much more than promises soaring. How do you teach people, an illiterate group of people, a slave nation, that they were made to soar by following this God that they barely know, that just delivered them from Egypt, but they don't really know this God? How do you teach them to be unapologetically different from all the other nations around them? Unapologetically devoted to the one true God, Yahweh. They just delivered them mightily out of Egypt. That's the problem God's solving in the second half of Exodus. The second half of Exodus is all about God solving the problem. How do I teach people, who most of whom can't read or write, the good news of who I am and who they are and that I made them to soar? So the first half of the book of Exodus, it reads like an epic action-adventure movie. There's, there's miracles, there's plagues, there's locusts, there's like deliverances, there's like the part of the Red Sea. God gives like the Ten Commandments. Okay, so the first 20 like, chapters of Exodus have been made into multiple movies because there's all kinds of action happening. The back half, the last 20 chapters of Exodus, there are zero movies made out of the last 20 chapters of Exodus. Because the action slows way, 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 way down the back half of Exodus. And you get into all these annoying kind of minutiae details about the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting, which like about like what, where the kind of, what kind of decorations and what kind of things are going to go in. And if you're reading Exodus at that point, you go into skim mode. Like skim, 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 skim. But here's the deal. The, the tent of meeting was going to be the place where for the first time this nation who does not really know this God is going to gather on the regular to worship this God, to learn from this God. It's the place where they're going to come to worship and where they're going to learn who they are, who this God is, what God has made them to do and who God made them to be. This is going to be the training ground for soaring. The, the tent of meeting in Exodus 20 and on and in the temple is the training ground for a people that God said, I want you to soar so all the nations can soar. This is the place where God is going to teach the people how to go from grounded to soaring in order to bless the nations. So the passage we're going to drop into today is in the middle of skim section of Exodus. Okay, Exodus 31, you're skimming through, skimming through, skimming through all these details about the temp tent of meeting and the temple and, look at, and all the like lampstands and the decorations. And in Exodus 31, if you're in skim mode, you might miss this beautiful little detail and a monumental first in the Bible. Exodus 31, starting in verse 1, says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I've appointed Oholiab, son of Ahesimach, the tribe of, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I've given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant law with atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table, its articles, the pure gold lampstands, all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, and all its utensils, forks, knives, spoons, sporks, probably invented here, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. Well, coming out of college here at UNC Chapel Hill, I applied to work for campus ministry, working with college students, and they sent me up to a campus up in Richmond, Virginia called VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University, a big urban, downtown, mostly commuter campus. And when I, when I went there, especially initially, it's still that way somewhat, they're most famous for their art school. They have great like painting and printmaking, glass blowing, like very artsy type of school. This was, I found this rather ironic because I have exactly zero artistic abilities whatsoever, none. Like even my stick figures are ugly, okay? Like that's how bad it is, it's just terrible. But I'm working with these students, and, I, and, and I've got all these super artistic students, and they're super gifted, and I'm trying to figure out, like, how it works, and, uh, like, trying to figure out how to speak their language and all that kind of thing. And I want them, of course, to love Scripture. So I had, I had two women in my chapter that were small group leaders. They were Bible study leaders, and they were super gifted artists. I mean, they were just spectacular. And so I proposed to, to, to Lindsay and Heather. I'm like, Lindsay and Heather, what if we did this? What if we meet every Tuesday afternoon? Because I wanted them to love Scripture. I wanted them to grow as leaders and grow in the Lord and, and use their gifts. I was like, what if we meet every Tuesday afternoon for hour and a half and here's what we'll do everyone bring a sketchbook we'll read a psalm together we'll spend 30 minutes sketching it and then we'll share whatever we come up with there was only one rule no making fun of my sketches that was the only that was the only rule no mocking how terrible my, my, my artistic abilities are or are not so we met every Tuesday afternoon for a whole year and it was one of the most spectacular experiences in Bible study I've ever had we'd read a psalm and, and, the, and they, with their incredible gifts, would just capture these images or these phrases with such beauty. Like at a quick sketch, they would just like capture something that was so meaningful in the psalm. And it was so spectacular. It was so beautiful to watch them bring their gifts to the scripture and for us to share in it together. And it was so beautiful in part because as a person who's not very artistic, and if I'm very honest, I don't always value the arts as a thing that contributes much to the world. I had to repent. I was wrong. What they were doing was beautiful. And what the Lord was doing in that time was teaching me the value of how to communicate visually truth of Scripture, truth of God, and inviting me into something much deeper than I would have been apart from entering into their gifts as artists with the Scripture. Now, in Exodus 31, you got a whole bunch of details, right? I, I kind of kept a bunch of details in there. Logistics for the tent of meeting. And if you're skimming through, you might, not, you might miss this beautiful little detail that we want to pick up on and highlight. As, as they're making, as they're creating, as they're building this tent of meeting, the training ground to move from grounded to soaring. Here's this beautiful little phrase in here. The Lord says to Moses, I have chosen Bezalel. I have filled him with the spirit of God, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, all kinds of skills to make 
designs, gold, silver, bronze, cut and set stones, wood, engage in all kinds of crafts to make sure that this tent of meeting communicated the grandeur of God, the goodness of God to an illiterate nation. The tent of meeting had to be grand, had to have beauty, had to communicate something of God's vastness to a people who couldn't read about it. They had to experience it and be taught it in all kinds of ways. And here's the wow. Here's the thing I really want to pick up on. Bezalel is the very first person in the Bible to be described as full of God's Holy Spirit. Very first person in the Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit is the arts and crafts guy. Very first person, Bezalel. Now let's back up and ask the question, who would you think would be the first person to be described as full of the spirit? Maybe some sort of political leader, or military leader, they're gonna need kind of be able to navigate challenges and deal with oppositions and obstacles. I'm a religious guy. I would vote for the religious guy to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's an important job, right? Now, listen, all those jobs are gonna be important. The political leader, military kind of savvy, religious leaders, all, and, and, and later Moses is described as being having received God's spirit. But the very first person in the Bible who gets the Holy Spirit, who's described as being full of the Holy Spirit, Spirit is an artist to help create a space, a training ground for the people of God to go from, so, from, from grounded to soaring to bless the nations. And here's the good news, my friends. Everyone's gifts, abilities, and temperaments can be filled with the Holy Spirit and grafted into God's work to redeem the whole world. Everyone's gifts, abilities, temperaments can be filled with the Holy Spirit, grafted into God's wonderful work to redeem the whole world, to go from grounded to soaring. And some of you read that and you're like, of course, I'm awesome. I got gifts, I know that. I'll talk to you in a minute. Others of you, yes, you might know that's true in theory, but you don't really know what that means. Or there's all these like voices in your head that kind of undermine, undercut the sense of, do I have anything to contribute? Do I have anything of value? Do I have anything to offer? I've been sitting here to tell you this morning, the very good news, every temperament, Every skill set, every gifting is invited to come. Bring your gifts, surrender them to the Holy Spirit, and let the Spirit fill them with his power, grace, beauty, to be fruitful that we might soar together. That's true if you're in the arts and crafts, computer chip building, auto mechanic, teacher, introvert, extrovert, gregarious, or reserved, thoughtful, serious, playful. All these things can be gathered up by the Holy Spirit and integrated together that we might be a people who learn to soar together, that we might lead others into and teach others to relearn how to soaring as well. The Spirit of God is given to Bezalel to help create this holy space that they might relearn how to soar together. The people five minutes ago who were a slave nation might actually overcome that slave mindset and become a people who know what it means to actually be confident in their uniqueness and the unique call by their unique God to go and bless the nations. Now, in this passage, there's an interesting tension, and that is that Bezalel is super gifted, and God says, I've given him wisdom and power and all that kind of thing to be creative, and God has very specific instructions for the tent of meeting. Like, it's almost like a paint-by-number kind of situation. All these details, all these logistics. And so there's this really interesting tension between how specific God wants them to do this, this work and the invitation to, to bring your gifts, bring your abilities, and sort of take this thing and make it beautiful, make it sort of festoon it, to use a word that's like sort of decorative, that kind of fills it out and rounds it out with, in line with God's purposes. 
So there's both and, there's both, here's God's purpose. I wanna create the sense of meeting as a training ground to go from grounded to soaring. I wanna create this community, this nation, as a training ground to learn to be full of God, that they might soar to bless the people around them. And yet, so there's the direction, that's God's purpose. And then at the same time, there's an invitation. The invitation is this, in the plans and purposes of God, there is room for your unique contribution. God can map out and lay out, here's the direction I wanna go. I'm all about the redemption of the world, bringing shalom, healing, renewal to the world. There are guardrails, there are, there are instructions, there are, some, there are some things that we cannot violate in the scriptures. 10 Commandments, for example, don't kill anyone on the journey, right, of doing these things. And at the same time, within those guardrails, all kinds of opportunity for you to bring your unique gifts. You have been given gifts by the power of the Holy Spirit. God sourced gifts to make a U-shaped difference in this world, utterly unique, to bring those gifts. And to those of you who know you've got gifts and think you're awesome, God says, wait, 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 sometimes I'm gonna give you very specific instructions. And when God gives us instructions, we're not to vary from it, we're not to deviate from it, we do exactly what God says. Every so often we get very clear specific instructions and we say, yes, Lord, because you're Lord and I'm not, and that's how I roll. And then most of the time God says, I wanna go in that direction, the redeeming direction, the renewal direction, the grace, truth, love, justice, mercy direction. I want you to move in that direction. Bring your gifts, bring your abilities. You have the Holy Spirit and go and be creative in how you participate in my work to redeem this place. Bezalel is soaring as he's full of the Spirit of God, surrendering his gifts to the Spirit of God, and as God invites him into the work to redeem the world. How was the tent of meeting, this training ground for people to go from slavery to soaring, going to be built? It's going to be built by a guy in the arts and crafts department who leads with the spiritual gifts and the fullness of the spirit. We found this property fall of 2015. Fall of 2015, we found this property. And if you're new, you might not know that uh, we just moved in here Christmas Eve. So we don't even know what like the electric bill is for the whole year, right? We're still, figure, we're still learning a lot, figuring things out about the building and the space and how we can possibly use it. Uh, and so between fall of 2015 and Christmas Eve 2021, I would prayer walk this space just over and over and over again, asking God to give us the space and make it beautiful. And I would try to stop and camp out about where I thought kind of the worship space was going to be. So I think I got it. I think I was stopped right about there, right about there. So David, if you're feeling really holy, it's because either I'm holy or you're holy or both. So uh, I think I would stop and pray right around here. So, and the thing I was asking for the most, especially getting into the space is we're in the frantic work in the fall of 2021, hoping and praying to make it by Christmas Eve. The thing I was asking for the most was God's presence, encounter, that you and you and you would meet the Lord here in this place. And we couldn't manufacture that. God could just give it, right, by his mercy and his grace. The best thing that could happen here, the best thing that could happen here is you have an encounter with the living God through a song, a scripture, a cup of coffee, a conversation. The best thing that could happen here is that you meet the same Holy Spirit that filled Bezalel and might surprise you with love, maybe conviction, Maybe rebuke, invitation into God's life, an invitation into soaring. My hope and prayer is that the Spirit would fill this place 
and then fill Chatham Community Church, that we might learn how to soar, that this would be a training ground for soaring, that together we would experience the Lord individually and together, the Spirit would fill you and me, all our different gifts coming together, that we might co-labor together, teach each other, help each other to unlearn all broken things, to be set free from the sin that grounds us, that we might learn how to soar, that we might surrender our gifts to God that he gives to us so freely and say, God, thank you for these gifts. Here you go. Fill them with your spirit, and I'm willing to do whatever, I, whatever you call me to. Can you imagine what would happen if every Sunday we left here, Sunday after Sunday, full of the Holy Spirit, totally dedicated and committed to bringing that life, that grace, that truth to your workplace, to your school, to your retirement community, to your extended family, in the midst of all their mess, you're going to be there and say, I'm here to love you with God's kind of love. As we were preparing to open this place up, we had a sense that God was doing something and preparing something, but we also had a sense that it was a massive project. I mean, this whole building project was so massive, and Michelle Stith kind of headed it up and helped to bring it all together, and she had all these great stories of how the Lord met her in the midst of that place, but the project was a big project. It was too big for one person, too big for even one super gifted person like Michelle, and even too big for someone so gifted and with the Holy Spirit, and so what God did over and over again was raise up partners, friends, co-laborers, in this work. We talked about last week, we looked at a story where we said, hey, soaring is a group project, especially in crisis, especially in difficult situations. It turns out that soaring isn't just a group project when you're in crisis. As we see here in Exodus 31, we see another way that soaring is a group project. God says, listen, I've appointed this guy, Ohiliab, to help Bezalel, and I've also given ability to all these other skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you, because the tent of meeting is gonna take years and years for them to build. It's too big, it's too complicated. Even with Bezalel, who's super gifted and full of the Holy Spirit, he needs partners in this work. Soaring isn't just a group project in the times of crisis. It turns out soaring is a group project because life is a group project. And because all the most important things in your life don't have an end date. Your character formation never stops your whole life, hopefully, by God's grace. You learning to love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and that, that work never ends. That's a group project. It's too big for one person. Other things, your relationship with your family, spouse, kids, little kids, big kids, by God's grace, that is a lifelong project where you're continually figuring out, learning, growing how to do that do that thing, a career that's decades-long project. God is shaping us. All the things that are most important in life don't have a, a clear start and end date. They are lifelong, decades-long projects, and decades-long projects require help. People God raises up in the power of the Spirit to come alongside you. And so for one more time, I want to give a quick plug to small groups to invite you into this place and into this space where God might surround you with people who are for you and with you and help you to soar. All right, so God's whole plan to retrain the whole world to soar is through people, like through a nation, nation of Israel. So God calls Moses and the people of Israel to kind of leave Egypt and into the promised land. And, and, and for centuries, this people occasionally only soar. Like they are trying to figure out what it means to be God's people. What does it mean to be filled with God's grace, God's love, God's truth, God's scripture? They're trying to figure out what it means to soar and be a light to the nations. And they have some soaring moments, but mostly they just kind of, like you and me, kind of muddle through. So after centuries of ups and lots of downs of the people of Israel, after thousands of years, Jesus comes. Jesus comes out of the line of Abraham to be the soaring one, 
the mighty, majestic, soaring one. He comes to be true Israel, to show the world what it looks like to live a life that actually soars, that remains completely fixed on God at every turn all along the way. He stays fixed and follows and follows and follows the Lord. And he comes to set people free from slavery, just like Moses. Only this time they're not, they're not in slavery to another king or a foreign nation. This time they're enslaved to sin. And so what Jesus does as he follows the Father's call to lay down his life, to set you and me free from sin, that we might do what we were designed to do, which is to soar, because sin always gunks up the soaring works. Sin always clogs up our hearts, our souls, our spirits. Jesus soars all throughout his whole life, but most significantly, he soars at the point that looks like it's the lowest. He soars when he climbs up on the cross. He soars when he's faithful to God all the way to his death. That's the moment when he soars. And after his death and resurrection, one of the first significant things that happens to this group of 120 people or so is they are filled with the same Holy Spirit that filled Bezalel. They're filled, all 120 of them, with the same Holy Spirit that filled Bezalel. And the call is the same. Go make soaring training communities. Go bless the nations with the good news. This is what God's doing. In fact, Jesus' Jesus' last word to his, his disciples was, listen, go make disciples of all the nations, the same nations that were supposed to be blessed by Abram. Go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna be with you all the way to the very, very end. Jesus is taking that promise of Abram and saying, I'm gonna fulfill this promise. I'm gonna fulfill this promise by building a soaring community. I'm gonna pour out the Holy Spirit onto my church and my church is gonna be the soaring community that, that soars in order to lead the rest of the world to soar. So Jesus invites you and me to build a soaring training community. That's what Chatham Community Church is. Chatham Community Church is a soaring training community. We are in training, learning from each other, scriptures, songs, small groups, to learn how to be God's people, full of God's grace, God's love, God's truth, and then living that out in such a way that it invites the world into the goodness of the God that we love. And this place, when it's working right, it's beautiful. Oh my gosh. This place, when it's working right, the church, it's beautiful. Now, of course, almost all of us have been part of dysfunctional churches, right? Dysfunctional churches, there's no shortage of them, and there's all kinds of stories of them. And listen, dysfunctional churches that are full of sin and pride and ambition and people gossiping, that kind of stuff, that's not good, that's not right. But I gotta tell you, that's not a story. Dysfunction is not a story. That's normal. Families are dysfunctional. Workplaces are dysfunctional. Teachers' lounges are dysfunctional. There's all kinds of dysfunction. Dysfunction is the norm in a sinful world. It's not good, it's just normal. What the story is, is that there are churches where it's not as dysfunctional as that, where it actually works. That's the story. There's no headline in it. It's just people living out the gospel, serving each other, loving each other, making hard decisions in the face of hard situations, demonstrating character, loving one another, laying down their lives for each other, preferring one another, Caring for each other's kids, visiting each other in the hospital, mowing lawns for widows. Nobody's doing headlines around that, but you know what? That's the picture. That's the picture of the church. That's the beauty of it. That's what happens when we bring our gifts together, submit them to the Spirit, submit them to the Lord and say, hey, I want to be part of this community. I want to learn what it looks like to soar. I want to fight through my own sin and my own brokenness, and I want to be a person who contributes to the soaring community that we might invite our neighbors, our friends, and our family members. Come and see, come and see. Listen, sin grounds us. 
The Lord has set us free that we might soar. You were made to soar. And part of us knows that. But part of us has given up on that because it's so exhausting and so overwhelming. It doesn't look very much like we're made to soar. And God says, no, 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 no. That thing in you, that thing in me that knows you were made to soar, that knows there's more for you in the world. It's true. It's true. It's true. But it might not look like you think it does. And it might be a difficult path to get there. But Jesus in his grace and mercy has done this beautiful thing to set us free from the sin that grounds us. Set us free from enslavement to sin. He calls us together in community, pours out his Holy Spirit, and says, I want you to build a soaring training community. That's what the church is, that you might soar together and individually and then invite all the nations, all the people around you to come and see, come and see, come and experience what God has done in the greatness of Jesus, that we might soar, that they might soar. That's why God pours out his Holy Spirit on us. Let's, let's back up and take hit today's wildly important take-homes. A few highlights, right? The first one is this. Our soaring is for other people's blessing that they might relearn to soar along with us. Just like Israel was in this place where, hey, they're to be the people who soar in order to bless the nations. That was the call on their nation. That was the call on these people that they might soar to bless the nations around them. So we, are, we have that call as well. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. Oh my goodness, no. We're not exaggerating how great our lives are. We're not pretending that we don't have crisis or problems. Crisis or problems, that's normal. And yes, we have crisis, and yes, we have problems, and sometimes we are the problem, right? Sometimes we're the problem. But in a world full of problems, pain, and crises, you know, we say, Jesus is Lord. And we keep our hearts fixed on the source of hope. And we remain grounded in the power of God. And we say, Soaring is still available to me. I can still demonstrate something of God's character, even in this moment. Every day, there's a shifting kaleidoscope of challenges, crises, opportunities. Your life can either be defined by the crises, challenges, opportunities, the latest headlines, or you can be anchored in a deeper story, something truer. You can be anchored in the soaring story of God. That's the plan. It sure seems strange. How do we access it? Well, first of all, Jesus is the truly soaring one. Jesus is the truly soaring one, freeing us from slavery to sin that grounds us. Just like Israel was enslaved and Moses delivered them, so too Jesus comes to deliver us, not from sort of physical little enslavement, but from a spiritual enslavement to sin, to the gift of grace. And just like Israel, we have a lot to unlearn. We have a lot to unlearn, a lot to relearn if we're going to actually soar. So here's what God does. He pours out the Holy Spirit to create a soaring training community. I'm learning slavery to sin that grounds us, learning to be full of the spirit and the resources of God. Sometimes the sin we have to unlearn is our own sin patterns. It's our own, it's our own tendency to kind of lie or exaggerate or manipulate or be jealous or our own sort of addictions to applause or performance or pornography or any other thing we might get hooked into. Sometimes we have to unlearn those things. And sometimes the sin we have to deal with is other people's sin against us, right? How we've been hurt, how we've been sinned against. All that will ground us. Our own sin, other people's sin against us, those things can, can ground us. And so there's an invitation to walk in, a, in a, a community of people that's learning. What does it mean to remain anchored in the Holy Spirit in the face of all that sin, to unlearn those things? And then finally, God gives us Holy Spirit that we might soar in part by contributing our unique spirit-filled gifts to that soaring training community. We soar in part by contributing our own unique gifts filled by the Spirit. Just like Bezalel, you have been given some gifts 
just like Bezalel. Your gifts might, might not to you or to other people around you scream, look at me, look at me, look at me, I've got these gifts to contribute. But just like Bezalel, God is so desiring, so willing, so delighted to pour his Holy Spirit into all of us to animate those gifts and abilities that we might contribute to that soaring training community. And I just want to tag one more time. This work that we're called to, this life that we're called to, this church building thing that we're called to, the life of character you're called to, it's too big a project to do alone. Soaring is a group project. So my hope and my prayer is that you might find a community to get plugged into. My hope and my prayer is in the invitation this morning, again, for those of you who aren't yet in a small group, talk to the small group concierge out there. Find a community that can help you to soar. My friends, in a world full of people living distracted, often thin, sometimes harried, those exhausted lives, just good news. You're made to soar. God has done everything he can to see to it. He's poured out his son, poured out his blood, washed away sin, gives us the Holy Spirit, invites us to enter in together that we might learn to soar together, that we might invite others to soar together. We are invited to soar together that we might bless the nations, the community around us. May that be true. May it be so here at Chatham Community Church, here fall 2022 and beyond. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you so much for making us to soar. And Lord, I want to I pray for my friends here this morning who feel deeply that life is not about soaring right now. I feel like they're barely making it, struggling. Pray your peace, pray your spirit, pray your kindness might meet them here this morning. Lord Jesus, as I prayed for many, 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 many months, we pray for your presence here in this room. We pray that you would meet us, surprise us even with your grace and your mercy. Lord, for our hearts, for our distracted, harried hearts, would you give us your Holy Spirit for these gifts and these abilities, these temperaments? Would you give us the Holy Spirit? Thank you so much for each gift here, each person here. Would, would each of us find a spot, a place where we might participate in your beautiful, life-giving work? Would you help us to soar as we follow Jesus? Jesus, thank you for setting us free from sin that enslaves us and grounds us. I pray for my friends who are here who know that there's sin and stuff in their lives that they need to be set free from. Would you give them the strength and the willingness to bring that to you, to lay at your feet, that they might be set free to soar? Lord, we pray that this might indeed be a soaring community that blesses the nations, starting right here in our own backyard. Would you help us to be a blessing to the community around us, to demonstrate and invite them into the great project of participating in your good work of soaring? We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would make us into a humble, gracious, beautiful demonstration of what it means to be a community of people who are full of your spirit, that we might soar to bless the people around us and invite them into your marvelous light. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.